Welcome to the Love Lab Podcast, a safe place to get real about sex. Whether you're a man, woman, single, or couple, this is the show for you. Because, well, sex matters. We are your hosts, Kevin Anthony and Celine Remy. All right, welcome back to the Love Lab Podcast. This is episode 30, and this one is going to be really fun. It's called One Woman's Journey to Sexual Empowerment and Freedom. So if you've been listening to the Love Lab podcast, you know that we did an episode where Celine interviewed me, and it was one man's journey. And so we thought it would just be fitting to sort of turn the tables a little bit and get Celine in the hot seat. How exciting. You know, I was thinking we also did a 30-day blowjob challenge. I look forward to turning the table to that challenge so we can report to all of our listeners. Yeah, we'll see about that. <laughs> well, I am excited. I am slightly nervous because um, I have no clue about the questions that are going to come at me. And um, I'll just do my best. Yeah, and that's one of the things that we like to do here whenever possible. Sometimes guests won't come on unless they know the questions ahead of time, but we like to not give them the questions because we want it to really be spontaneous and real and mm-hmm. not rehearsed. Absolutely. Well, so. I guess I'm ready. Slightly nervous when I put on my headphones. Uh, it wasn't quite working. I had them um, like inside out. Inside out. out. <laughs> I guess I'm more nervous than I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got quite a few questions, okay. so um, we'll do our best to get them all in. We only have 30 minutes, so let's go. Woo-hoo. So we're going to go all the way back to the beginning. Okay. And what I want to start with is, you know, when, when people, you know, maybe they see your website, maybe they hear you speak, um, they work with you, they might have this idea that, you know, who you are today is just like you popped out of the womb and boom, you were this sexually empowered woman. And, you know, that may be intimidating for some people. And one of the things that I would like to do is talk a little bit about how you got to where you are so that people realize that, you know, we're all on a journey. Mm -hmm. We all start somewhere and we're all going somewhere. And when you look at people out in the world, whether it's a, you know, a celebrity person or it's a friend that you know or it's just somebody you see being really liberated at a sex party, you know, they probably weren't born that way. So the first thing I want to start with is um, tell us about what your family's beliefs around sexuality were when you were younger. Okay. <laughs> Going way back there. Um I actually feel that I was very lucky uh, growing up in Switzerland. I grew up in a liberal family and we had access to sex education programs at school. And within my family, we were having honest discussions. I still remember to this day, my mom had bought us a a comic book on um, how are babies born. And it was a whole thing of like a man and woman falling in love, them making love and how the process of making a baby. And it was all very graphic. It was, you know, it was a comic book, but like really realistic. But it was really for children to learn about bodies. 
And uh, so I remember at an early age being fascinated by that book. Uh, even our, doc- our dictionaries that we had at school, the front page had a naked picture of a woman and a naked picture of a man with different all the different body parts being named. So what I remember from my childhood was I had access to images and to real life examples. Like even though, yes, there were drawings and stuff. It's not like we were watching porn, but um, this created a, I want to say a shame-free environment, a, an environment to where it was easy to, to talk about it. And last part too was that in my family, it was okay to be naked. I've seen my parents naked like every day. You would walk naked from the bedroom to the bathroom, from the bathroom to the bedroom where you got dressed. I would walk on my parents in the bathroom and be like, hey, hi, or like showering. And that was a really normal thing. Even when my grandparents would come visit, everybody would just be okay with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think it was actually super healthy. Yeah. So what it sounds to me like is that you had access to better sex education than we do here in the States. I think so. And that while your family was maybe a little bit more liberal than, say, the average, it wasn't like sex was flaunted, your parents weren't swingers, Absolutely like there wasn't not. any of that kind of stuff Oh, going no. On. When the door, bedroom door was closed, we had we could not enter. There were rules. I mean, sure, right. we were okay being naked, but it's not like you just swing into your parents' bedroom or go sleep with your parents or things right. like that. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we have a little foundation now. We know that you had a little bit more uh, sex education than most people, but all in all, it was a pretty normal, mm-hmm. especially for Europe, pretty normal childhood Absolutely. growing up. So um, when did you first start having sex? Mm. <sighs> I remember being sexually, I can't say active, but interested when I was six years old, playing with my little Italian neighbor. His name was Pino. And uh, we would go underneath the staircase outside and we could, uh, we would play doctor. And yes, it was sexual. And at the same time, it was totally innocent of touching each other's genitals and just kind of like experimenting with things. It was I mean, so that's a sexual activity, but it wasn't like sexual per se. Um, and then I don't know. I know that being sexual with myself, I became interested in touching myself. I don't, I don't know, maybe around like around the age of 10 or maybe a little bit before. And I would explore with different um, toys and by toys, I mean tennis balls that I would rub on my pussy. Actual toys. Actual toys. Or my grandpa had given me chopsticks and I thought, hmm, what could I do with chopsticks? Because he had gone to China and I was like, hey, let's make a use of these chopsticks. (laughs) I mean, um, just, you know, exploring myself. So that would be that. And uh, sexually active with another being, I was a late bloomer. So it was only like three weeks before my 18th birthday. Okay, so that's kind of where I wanted to go with that question, which is that, yeah, of course, there's always that sort of childhood exploration that's mm-hmm. very innocent. You don't even really know what you're doing. You know, I think most people have experienced that. But what I wanted to really kind of pull out with that question is that um, you did start having sex later than a lot of us did. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Well, my parents have been together for over 40 years and um, it was like, I kind of had that fantasy of I'm going to find them one man that I'm going to marry and one person. Not that I didn't want to have sex. I did not uh, grew up in a religious setting where I was like saving myself, but I had this like romantic idea and I think I was shy. I just, you know, I wasn't one of the cool kids. I was already a little bit different and had different interests. And so it wasn't like, like, you know, when you're 14 or 16, I wasn't hanging out and smoking and drinking. And so I wasn't cool. So nobody wanted to have sex with me. <laughs> well, <laughs> I imagine a few more people wanted to than you realized at the time. That's but true. But the, the point that I kind of wanted to get across to the listeners by asking you that question is that your journey can start any time. Mm. It's not like... It's not like you had to start when you were 12 years old, you know, mm -hmm. on your journey. Like you actually started later than most people. Mm -hmm. So um, when you did start having sex for the first time, um, how did you feel about sex in general? Like what were your thoughts about it? Like did you have shame around it? Were you like, oh my God, this is amazing. Can't wait to do more. Mm. Well, the first thought was finally I'm no longer a virgin because I was like, I'm just about to be 18 and I was about to go for a year to New Zealand to learn English. And I was just like, I need to get this out of the way because this is like really a big problem. So as soon as he put his penis inside me, even for the 30 seconds he was in, I was like, yeah. <laughs> and it's kind of like a huge shift that happened within me like I, I walked differently the next day at school I was just like yeah finally I've stepped it up I'm a woman I can be sexual I, I know everything about it now so it's like <laughs> and um, because it was both of us our first time it wasn't really good the first um, the first time he actually ejaculated putting on the condom because he was so excited. So we had to wait a little bit. And then um, we got him hard again and then he put it in. And I think honestly it lasted 30 seconds to maybe two minutes if we were lucky. Uh, and that Pretty was, typical teenage first time. Absolutely. And then with that one boyfriend, I had sex a third time just before I left for a whole year, thinking, of course, our love will last throughout this entire year apart. Um, and uh, that third time, he lasted so long, and I had a train to catch. And I was like, you got to stop. Like, I say, pull out. I got to get dressed and go catch my train. <laughs> so I was just, like, really excited. I had gotten it out of the way. I knew how things worked. And I was like, I'm going to do more of that. All right. <laughs> So I imagine that over that year and then maybe the years to come, there, were, there was a lot of exploration and trying different things. And, and we could dive into that, but I'd actually like to sort of skip ahead a little bit. Okay. Because I want to try to hit some of the more pivotal points of your journey. <laughs> so I know that one of those pivotal moments uh, for both your life and your career was a workshop that you attended. So I'm wondering, can you tell the listeners, what was the workshop and how did it, like, what kind of an impact did it have? And how did that change the course of your life? Mm -hmm. So it was uh, spring of 2003 and my mom had just healed from cancer and she had had surgery, she had had her ovaries removed and um, she was looking for something to help her feel more alive. And she stumbled upon this workshop. It was a women's Taoist workshop. So all about like sexual empowerment and using your sexuality to, to heal yourself and just feel more alive and she was like oh I really want to do this and she's like why don't we do this together 
And um, it's it's pretty cool because I was like 20 and I got to share that with my mom. It was an entire weekend and we did a B&B and just went through this entire workshop. And as I was there, we were doing all these different kind of practices and things I had never done before, uh, things that I do now teach, like the breast massage, but like one of them was like, we had to do an ovarian breathing and smile to our ovaries and do these things like, this is really weird, but I'm going to give it a try. But as I was doing those practices, I literally like started to feel this heat, this energy moving from my womb going up my spine. I was just like getting so turned on and like alive. And I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. I was like, I need to learn more. And I was like, I asked the teacher, I was like, where did you learn this? How can I learn that? Who's your master? I'm going there. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, what was the answer? Well, um, she studied with Montak Chia, who's a Taoist master. And she was like, well, he's, um, she was like, he's in New York. Uh, you got to go there. And I was like, okay, fine. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to do that. So I was, I was working as, as an esthetician at that time. And I was like, I'm going to start, like, I need to finish my training and I'll save money and go. And by the time I was done with that I think it was about two years later because I was in the middle of the training um, he had moved to Thailand he was no longer teaching in 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 New York and I was like oh you mean I have to go to Thailand yes (laughs) (laughs) so um, I actually headed to Thailand and spent six weeks in his retreat center and doing the whole training I mean it's part of the training uh, but a six-week intensive there to learn healing love and all these different Taoist techniques and meditation Wonderful. So in a moment, I want to skip to more present times because I really just wanted to lay sort of a foundation. But I know there may have been one or two other early pivotal moments. Are there any other things um, maybe prior to, say, the last uh, five years or so that you think would be really relevant for the listeners to hear about along your journey? For instance, I know you spent some time in India. I don't know how that may have impacted your sexual journey. Yeah. Um, I mean, granted, I was on this quest. I was thirsty to learn more. I wanted to study with all the different masters I could. So I went to different places. I thought, hey, India is the place to go. I got introduced to Tantra massage. So it's like a full body massage that includes the genitals. And it was fucking amazing. I was so turned on by this massage, but just like, and at the same time grounded. And I was like, I need to learn that. This is like something that I want to do. Uh, how do I learn that? Where do I learn that? So <laughs> it, it really opened up a door because I hadn't yet, you know, you hear about sexuality and sure, there's the educational piece and then there's the porn route. Um, and it's like, okay, so, okay, there's like education. It's a little bit dry and bland. And then there's the porn route or prostitution route. And you're like, oh, this is kind of like not really where I want to go. Um, and then it's like, wow, there's a whole other realm of like sexual healing where um that i hadn't yet been exposed and that was really uh, like mind-blowing all right (laughs) (laughs) so what we're seeing is is a relatively normal upbringing and then you get exposed to some new ideas and it sort of opens your whole world Mm -hmm. to what's possible so now you embark on this quest to find out, okay, what more is there? Mm-hmm. What more can I learn? Yeah, because I didn't know what I didn't know. 
And sure, I, I had this shame-free bringing where it was okay for me to be sexual or, sexual or talk about sexuality, but yet I didn't even know about the places I could go. But through that openness, I started to attract situations or people or books that were like, oh, now what is that? I want to learn more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> So let's fast forward a little bit, mm-hmm. a few years. Now you're older, you've had all of these travels and experiences and things like that. How has that past experience impacted your own personal sex life? Hmm. It's a good question. I think the past experiences have shown me that there's more to sex than what we've been taught that there's one model of sexuality where it's like getting turned on, having an orgasm and being done. And then there's a whole other world of possibilities that sexual energy can be used as a vehicle to create healing, to in- like literally increase your consciousness, improve your health in so many different ways. And so... I feel like I'm on a never-ending journey and exploration because, sure, even though I have been on this journey for over 15 years, I'm just scratching the surface. I'm like, what else is possible? So I'm loving to use uh, the techniques that I know, and I also love to go back to the beginning because every time you learn something and go back to what you learned all these years ago, you're understanding it deeper and there's a new level of it. So I'm constantly looking for new ways of like what else is possible. Mm -hmm. And so how, if we talk a little bit more concretely about like, you know, your partners and how this has affected your sex life with your partners, is there anything you could tell us about this journey that maybe shifted or transformed how you showed up in your relationships with your partners? Mm. You know, I was thinking about something interesting that I wanted to to bring into the conversation because even though... um, Okay, the first time I had sex, I experienced an orgasm through penetration. I had no clue it was an orgasm. Uh, And I was like, oh, what is this? It feels tingly in my arms. And that was cool, you know. And um, I've never really understood my orgasms until about my mid-20s, about around 23 or 24. And it was fascinating because even though I had this openness already and I had access to different of these practices, I still didn't quite understand my body fully. And it took for me to experiment using toys, vibrator, to figure out like how my body worked. And it's not so much that it was partners who brought me these, because often the misconception is like, if only I had a good lover, he would help me open up. And even though I had had several lovers by that time, um, I was like, I'm not quite understanding my body. So like, I want to really get it. And I had, um, I had seen this whole thing about female ejaculation um, by Deborah Sandel, this whole movie. And I was like, oh, I want to learn. I want to do this. And so I took it upon myself to teach myself my body, to see like, so touch myself, touch my pussy, use a vibrator, figure things out. And ultimately, I think that's what made me a better lover because I took the time to really understand my body. And then I was able to show up in my relationships and be like, this is how I like to be touched. 
this is what works for me or like oh hold on this doesn't feel good like I I found my voice in that process I felt empowered to be like no yes or more (laughs) I'm so glad that you brought that up because what you're saying essentially is that it was an inside journey Mm -hmm. that what you needed to do was you needed to explore your own sexuality get comfortable with your own sexuality find out and when you say how your body works what you mean is what do you like Mm -hmm. what type of stimulation is it clitoral is it you know cervical like you've you've figured out sort of what it is your body responds to Mm -hmm. and then you could take that into your relationship and show up and say here i am Here's what you know. I want. Here's what I need. Here's how you can have the best experience. Mm-hmm, totally. And I took hours, you know, to like be like, I closed the door, and I was in a relationship at that time. I was like, the door is closed. I was like, I am totally like playing with my body, masturbating, exploring. Uh, and I still remember the first time I mastered female ejaculation, and I soaked the entire bed, and I ran out screaming his name, and I was like, I did. And we were working on our house at that time and we had workers all around on the outside and everybody was like, what's happening? You see this like 23 year old woman like running half naked outside and be like, I did it, I did it, I soaked the bed, you know, so it was like really, really funny. (laughs) He was like, he thought something had happened to me. I screamed so loud and I was so excited. I was like, what happened? I was like, oh, hey. Ejaculation! I had the most massive orgasm ever. Let's do that again together now. <laughs> <laughs> Lucky man. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, jump to some other things that may or may not have been pivotal moments in mm-hmm. your sexual journey. Um, I know that you've had experience with open relationships or what some people call poly. Mm-hmm. And what I'm curious about is how that affected how you view sex, love, and relationship. Like, did that change the way you view your relationships, your sexuality? Mm-hmm. It definitely opened things up, <laughs> hence open relationship. <laughs> so I had, you know, I always felt very free. Um, and especially when I was traveling, I always gave myself permission to have as many lovers as I wanted, uh, like be in non-attached relationship, even though I didn't know about open relationships. So that was early when I was doing my travels. Um, and then later on, I got into a relationship with a man who wanted to have open relationship. And I was like, oh, I've never done this, but that sounds interesting because I'm I'm an exhibitionist. I mean, I like it if there's other people that make love next to me. I had already experienced things like that. I was like, oh, I'm curious to see like this whole new world and what's what's possible. And what was fascinating in the exploration of opening is that I had to learn uh, communication skills because without that, you, you really can't have successful open relationship. I had to learn also to speak up and be very, very clear. And you need to know about your boundaries and you need to know about like just 
like the, again, that communication piece, but like, you know, if you're in the middle of a threesome and, and something doesn't feel good, like what happened for me the first time, it didn't feel good, but I felt too shy to say something. And then it took a long time, like probably several months to heal from that painful experience because I wasn't able to voice it. So I learned that, okay, it doesn't have to be painful, but actually it's essential for me to say, hey, this is not comfortable or let's pause or I'm not as open as I thought I was. You know, because sometimes there's an idea, oh, I should be open, I should not be jealous. But hey, when the, the rubber hits the road and you see your partner having sex with another woman or men, whatever configuration it is, it's like things come up and you have to own your stuff and you have to speak those out. And that, that was a fascinating experience. Um, and I think one of the biggest points for me was that it helped me to, to get to that place Um of unlimited pleasure and up until you Kevin I had never had a lover who could take me to those high level of of pleasure where but I was only able to access that through having two men working on me okay so (laughs) this is great because you don't know the questions Uh and you just segued perfectly into my (laughs) next question so before I get to the next question I just want to say that I kind of want to sum up what you said which is that that your experience with open relating and poly taught you a lot of valuable tools and lessons that whether you're in a poly relationship or you're in a monogamous mm-hmm. relationship are really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you also just mentioned that uh, prior to being in relationship with me, those those levels that you were exposed to in open relating, you could only get with more than one man. Mm-hmm. So now my next question is, and, and I might slightly rephrase it based on the answer that, that you just uh, gave, but, uh, the, well, maybe not. The original question I wrote was, I know from our being together that you feel that your sex life has taken another step. And so I was wondering if you could tell the audience how being with the right match has changed sex for you, what new things you've learned about sexuality, about polarity, and even about yourself. Hmm. Yes, so to go back to what I was sharing was I accessed to those really high level of pleasure where I was just like having orgasms and such pleasure into my whole body vibrating. But that was only when I was having threesomes with two men pleasuring me and they could take turns because it seemed like up until then, the only way like that men could keep up was when there were more than one. <laughs> so I was like well I'll just take more and then I can get what I want and that's awesome and by the way that was so fucking amazing a lot of the time when we think about free sums often we think of that configuration uh one guy two women and I've had way more me with two guys than I had the opposite and I have to say if you had never if you've never done it and stuff it can be really amazing and and opening if like if it's done right. Um, So I knew it was possible to access these levels because I had done it. My idea was it's only possible if I've got two men. Uh, And then I got in a relationship with Kevin and we were a better match than any other relationship that I had before. And especially, I want to say like his ability to have a presence, masculine energy, and it's more than just like, 
it's not more than just like a body. Okay, sure, you have a body, you have a cock, and you're like, okay. But then there's like how to use it and what's behind, what's the intention, the consciousness, the masculinity, that presence. And that's really different. And once I was able to discover that, I didn't need to have two men anymore to get there. We, we were able, through the lovemaking that was very intentional, um, to use those energies. So beyond just the lust and the attraction, but also using and feeling the energy that happens when you make love and magnifying this. And so what was really cool is that rather than being insatiable where I was like, oh, I just need more and more men to be satisfied. Um, I realized that it's actually possible to be satisfied with one man uh, if it's the right match. And that the depth that I can get to, because I have the safety and the, the comfort of the relationship, the, you know, because you know the person, um, is even nothing deeper than if it's two strangers or two people you know a little bit. Um, so it allows me to go into even other places where it's okay for me to be vulnerable or to get into crying or really like, you know, places you're like, I don't really want to show that to everyone. But because I have that safety container in my relationship with Kevin, I'm like, yeah, I can do that. And at the same time, I can still access the high level of pleasure. Mm-hmm. And it probably helps that uh, uh, the one man in particular, meaning me, <laughs> can last as long as two or three or four men. <laughs> That's true. That's true. You know, um, little thing here, like it's a, it takes about 45 minutes of penetration to access those altered levels. And so when you think of that, most people don't have sex for that long. And most men don't last for that long. And so if you can't go for at least those 45 minutes, you still have great sex. You still access levels of pleasure. But there's another place be beyond that. I really feel like it's a switch in my head where I start to feel less confined into my body. I forget all of the tribulations of the day-to-day -day life or time or goals. And I just kind of get into a place of no time, no space, no body. Yeah, and we've we've talked about that in one of our previous yes. episodes. And just to refresh the listeners' memories, you know, depending on which study you read, the average man lasts between five and seven minutes. Mm -hmm. But you, it, it doesn't have to be. That's a long way away from forty-five. So oh, yeah. yes, and it doesn't have to be right. You can absolutely train yourself, mm -hmm. and that's that's mostly what our Power and Mastery series is about. Is about training men how to be able to do that, but. I also want to bring in the point, you know, when I asked you that question first, you didn't immediately go to, well, it's because you can outlast all the other men and I can access deeper levels. Where you went to first was the presence, the energy. Mm. There's, there's these sort of less tangible qualities yeah. that really made the difference for you. Yeah, it wasn't so much about techniques or anything. It was more about how you showed up how you held that space and container. And I think all of our female listeners right now can relate to that. When a guy can really show up with that presence, that masculine energy, it's it's very different. And he could, may, like, even if he doesn't last maybe as long yet, if he shows up with that and, and he can help you bridge spirituality and sexuality, um, it makes the lovemaking 10 times better. Yeah, and that's... We, we try our best in our sexual mastery program for men to try to teach those intangible <laughs> qualities. We also, you know, we'll, we'll teach the physical stuff and the, and the, you know, the physical practices and things like that too. But we really try to get into 
helping men access those things. So uh, I think that's really, really valuable. Mm -hmm. I think it's great for both women and men to hear that it's not just about the physical. There's so much more to it. Yeah. So I know that we are uh, running a little bit long because we're kind of at our time, but I've got got one more question. So we're going to go just a few minutes over today. So thus far in the interview, we've really, we kind of stepped back. We, we laid the foundation of what your upbringing was like and what some of the pivotal moments in your life were like. Mm-hmm. Then we kind of jumped forward to your more recent relationships and the things that you've learned and how they've affected your sex life. And so the last question that I want to ask you is, how has the work that you've done, because you've been working in this industry, right? It's not just that, oh, you wanted to go out and do these things just for your own personal experience, which is, was partly true as well. But you've also now been working for many years in this field and helping a lot of people. And I'm curious how doing that work, helping people improve their sex lives, how has that also impacted you on a personal level? How has that affected your journey? Mm. I'm a big proponent of only, um, you know, teaching what I do, like walking my talk. So for me, it keeps me in my game all the time and like, okay, so am I still showing up fully in my relationship? Is my sex life great? And what do I do? How do I tweak when things are not the way I want? Um, so that I can bring that and teach that to my clients. So ultimately it's a really good, like mirror relationship. Um, also what I love about this is that working with people's sexuality, I get to talk about sex all day long and it's really juicy and sexy and it keeps me like alive and excited and turned on. So that's a really good benefit that then my work is also serving me in feeling more sexy and juicy into my relationship. So it goes both ways. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can say I do uh, occasionally reap the rewards of that. <laughs> All right. So um, just before we wrap up, are there any last thoughts or ideas that you want to share with the audience about your sexual journey or their sexual journey, advice that you have for them, anything else you want to share? Mm -hmm. It is a journey. It has a starting point. And I don't think in one lifetime you can get to an end point. So just keep learning, keep exploring, and continue to seek new things um, because that's what keeps things alive. As we always say, you're ever growing and dying or dying. So you can be doing both at the same time. When you keep putting energy into your relationship, your sex life, looking for new techniques, methods, or ways of making love, you keep that energy alive. Yeah. <laughs> All right, that's all the time we have. But if you have any questions, anything you think that we may have missed in this interview that you want to ask Celine or ask both of us, then uh, look in the show notes. At uh, support at thelovelabpodcast.com is our email. That's right, which will be in the notes. And (laughs) we'll see you next time. We hope you liked this episode of the Love Lab Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, leave a comment and share it with your friends. And if you want more, we have an entire digital library with the best sex tips and relationship advice at CelineRemy.com. That's C-E-L-I-N-E-R-E-M-Y.com. So join us in the sex vault to continue this adventure. Thanks for listening. And remember, you're amazing. <laughs>